Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, highlighting the latest construction technology and trends to drive your business forward. Coming up in March of 2020, ConExpo ConAg is North America's largest construction trade show. We bring you expert advice from your favorite brands, startups, and industry peers. And for even more news, sign up for our weekly 365 e-newsletter at conexpoconag.com slash subscribe. We've got another great guest on the show today, so let's dig in. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio. I'm your host, Missy Sherber, and I'm thrilled to announce a new segment on the podcast called Contractor Conversations. Each month, I'll be talking to your favorite contractors around the country about their projects, workforce development, technology, and of course, equipment. I hope these conversations give you the expertise and support you need to thrive in the daily work that you do. I'm a contractor based in Minnesota, and I own a demolition and excavating company alongside my husband, Trevor. I'm passionate about our industry, and I want to recognize the hard work that you do every day to build the world around us. Please stay connected with me on Instagram, where you can join the conversation and stay up to date on all the exciting things happening at the show that you won't want to miss. Now let's get started with today's episode. You may know him on Instagram as Technology Sandbox, and Britton Lawson's day-to-day job is just that, working with current and emerging construction technologies from grade control to telematics to bring efficiency to the job site. As Director of Construction Technology at Byton Company, Britton is the internal technology champion. He helps the organization get the best technology return on investment and involve their processes for the future. Britton has nearly 20 years of experience in the industry, so today we're going to tap into his expertise and take a look at the current and future state of construction tech. Awesome. Well, Britton, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Missy. I'm excited to do this. I know. it's been. This has been a long-awaited interview. So many questions come in through social media about technology, and you really become the tech guru out there. So we really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a topic I, I thoroughly enjoy talking about. So looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, for those who don't know you, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience your background, how you got started in the industry, and like what led you to where you are now? Yeah, you know, I started my career uh, at a tech school, and I just kind of wanted to make my sandbox just a little bit bigger. Uh, my passion has always been heavy equipment and construction and, and things like that. So I ended up ed- attending a tech school for 13 weeks. It got me just the basics, kind of got me in a direction, got me some seat time and experience. Um, so I ended up at a, a road contractor in town. And while I was there, I ended up finish visiting my tech school instructor. And he had showed me a video on uh, GPS machine control that uh, Mackinich out of Iowa had done. And it really intrigued me. So I was able to talk to the company that I was working for at the time and they ended up investing and saw the value in in GPS machine control. So um, I was able to run equipment for quite a few years with the GPS um, in even old school a little bit too. So um, through that transition, I ended up getting moved to the ground and and more of a grade foreman position so that I could help better support and champion the GPS program at that company. So um, throughout the transition of my other career, I went through some some grading foreman, some uh, site superintendent, and some general superintendent to uh, following my passion when I when I got to Vite and working in the survey department to my role evolving here in the last year. So, and here I am, um, kind of advocating for all technology as a Vite. 
And when you say Vite, I want, you know, our listeners to understand just how big of a company Vite is. I mean, they're just down the road from us here and they've been in business for 90 years. I'd say they're one of the companies Trevor and I aspire to be one day because <laughs> they're just, they're big, they do things well, but you work for Vite and, and how big of a company is Vite? What type of size fleet are you responsible for integrating technology for? Vite is a, is a $200 million company a year annually. Um, we've got six to 700 employees. Our service offerings are earthwork, utilities, demo, foundation, and dredging and diving. We also do some CIPP, cast and place pipelining, and then we also have uh, a roll-off division um, with uh, landfills, C&D landfills that we also support. So our fleet consists of 350 plus pieces of yellow iron, if you will, um, and we have about uh, 35 machine control pieces, and then an additional 35 rovers or so, um, as a general sense. So, that's quite a fleet to be responsible for integrating and implementing technology. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a challenge, but it's fun every day. And I imagine you have a team supporting you um, with your role at Vite. Is that correct? Yeah, so we have a survey department that has three people in it, and they are responsible for doing all the models. They're responsible for kind of managing all of the uh, the machine control, troubleshooting, supporting the, the field. Um, we also have a fleet maintenance um, area where our shop manager, we have a, just recently a, hired an assistant uh, fleet manager that helps with a lot of the telematics and, and getting really into that data, uh, dissecting that data and getting some actionable decisions on it. So, yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few folks at uh, at Vite that support the technology side of things. Very cool. And Vite has a lot of projects going on across the Midwest. I mean, what's your outlook for the rest of the year when it comes to the work you guys are doing? Yeah, 2020 looks is shaping up to be a good year um, considering the situations that we're in. Um, we're lucky to have a lot of uh, carryover work. We've got some jobs, some interesting jobs up in Duluth with uh, Grassy Point Dredging where our dredging division is is dredging 280,000 yards of material, moving it from bay to bay. Um, we're doing a campground, major campground up at Split Rock Lighthouse up there. We've got some landfills in the Minneapolis and Milwaukee region. Um, and then we've got some various commercial jobs that are going on around the metro area, Minneapolis metro area. So, so far, so good. Very good. Well, that's great to hear that, you know, despite anything happening with the economy right now, that things are moving forward and that you guys are growing and expanding because um, you just, you, Vite is such a huge, you know, huge company to support the infrastructure, the work, you know, that our communities count on. You guys are just involved in really high level projects. So I'm happy to hear that there's a lot coming in for you. So let's turn um, this conversation to what we've been most excited to talk to you about, which is technology. That is your expertise and your background. So let's just be honest, the construction industry tends to lag behind in many ways, and one of those areas is technology. What do you think is holding a lot of companies back from fully utilizing telematics and machine control technology? You know, I think the, the easy one is, is cost right out of the gate. Uh, there's some, there's, the margins are not real large on day-to-day -day project bidding um, against each other. Uh, so I think the, the biggest thing is cost. Uh, I think we have a tendency to look at a, an investment of how much is it going to cost me versus how much is it going to make me. So there is an initial investment for machine control, and that, that number is hard to get over it in the initial onset of it. But I think as you get into your journey, if you will, or path with machine control, uh, I think you start to see those ROIs and, and how you can gain that money back. Uh, some of the other things are 
just how we've always done it, just that aversion to change. I think we're, we're very prideful of our work. So um, owners not understanding it or not getting behind it or just having a bad experience with it, um, I think are some other um, things that we struggle with in the, the construction industry when we're adopting technology. Okay, Britton, I'm so glad you brought up the sticker shock because I think that's what Trevor and I are working past right now as well. This is a big investment for our company. But what I'm hearing you say is to not look at the price right now is to really look on how it's going to profit us long term. Like how many years would you say should we be looking at it from an investment standpoint of when the ROI starts to kick in? You know, that that ranges from company to company. And, it, and it's a great question, I think, that we all ask ourselves, uh, you know, in, in some sense of the words, we can we can consider it, it paid for in a project, you know, and, and how you guys justify your business and, and how you're um, depreciating that out over time. I think it's fair to say that in a year or two, you can start to see some of that ROI depending on, on what level of uh, GPS machine control you go with. Because I think that's one thing to look at, too, is is there are different levels of investment. So for somebody like yourself, you could go into uh, just a try it out scenario and get into more of a 2D grade control versus a full blown 3D grade control where multiple components are um, used for that. So I think it kind of differs for every company and, and, and how they're using it and the people that they have behind it. Yeah, that's great that you bring that up. So talk about that 2D. So you're saying as a small business, you know, we're working through that sticker shock and, and cash flow is always really important as you're growing a small business to a medium sized business. So right. what you're saying is, hey, we could get into it with the 2D, not the full blown 3D. Now, let's say we're seeing the benefits in a year or two. We're just kind of blown away. Wow. Um, talk about that transition from 2D to 3D. And I, and I want you to talk about that because I noticed on social media when you put out that we were doing this interview quite a few audience members and social media followers were like, hey, we want to know about the transition from 2D to 3D. So the pressure is on. Why don't you unpack that oh. for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the 2D to 3D jump can be overwhelming uh, for most, if you will. I'm not even going to say some, it's just for most. So uh, I would say once you get into that 3D system, I think the biggest thing is just take advantage of the on-machine uh, on 3D models that you can create, the infield designs, no matter what product you have, they all have a great tool set across the board to um, be able to create some very uh, simple designs in the field that you can take advantage of in a 3D sense. Uh, the next thing is uh, get an external model builder that you trust and, and just farm the models out. I feel like that's kind of, that's a big hurdle get over is the model, if you will, or the data prep that you have involved in it. Not a lot of business owners actually have the time to sit down and build a model and then go calibrate the site and, and get everything set up and transferred over to the machine. You know, it's hard to justify a two or three hour setup of building the model, driving to the job, calibrating it to dig a basement that's only going to take you seven hours, for instance. So yep. I think that initial thing of getting that infield design and on on screen in machine designs is, is great. And then and then getting an external model builder that's going to help you. Okay. So that kind of makes the time more efficient and helps make it more sense as you start investing more in the three D side. Yeah, give the data to somebody it every single day and then they can take that hour model that might take you and they can they can put it together in a half hour 20 minutes you know so oh, yeah that's i think it's a great take advantage of and now tell me this so how has embracing technology made Vite a more productive and profitable company i think that's a great thing for us to hear from you because you're at a company that's really ahead of the time really maximizing and being efficient with tech how does that affect their bottom line their profitability it's helped us 
helped us in such a sense that it's just kind of ingrained in our culture. Our, our field crews are the ones driving it. So we're, we're doing pre-existing surveys. So now we're able to catch conflict early on if a takeoff error was performed by the engineer or something else. Now we can have a, have a conversation early on and say, hey, there's a bust in the, in the design here. What do you want to do? And instead of having that conversation after we've hauled all the material off or moved the material and say, we want to get paid, we're going to say, hey, we'd like to come up with a solution so that we can either mitigate your losses um, or better use that material on site or if we can raise the site so we can really have some proactive solutions in that scenario. Um, yeah. Even progress quantities, we can we can have a lot of historic data at that point. So when we're hauling material on a mass earthwork job site, whether it's scrapers or off-roads, and say a scraper is rated for 23 or 24 yards, uh, but we're only getting 19, 20 yards on it just based on the material, based on how it's loading, things like that. We can actually get an accurate quantity based on our drone surveys or our flyover surveys um, and progress quantities on a week-to-week basis. So that's giving us a more accurate um, transparency or look at uh, what we're actually hauling. And that actually sets us up for future bids, too, to say this is what we're actually hauling in these scrapers with this this uh, type of material. So. Yeah. And then getting in the the obvious benefits of machine control. I think we're we're seeing that in terms of eliminating people, eliminating our machines, eliminating, and just getting it faster, getting to the finished product faster. So yeah. I think they're all some so things that we're doing. It gets more efficient. It gets more productive. But un, help me understand a little bit when people say it, it improves your profitability. I really hear that thrown around a lot when it comes to tech. But I've always just sat there and been like, how? Like, how does it improve our profitability? What are your thoughts on that? Part of it in jobs, we'll model a spec surface, for instance. So if they're saying that we can only um, fill uh, to a certain height or anything over this amount of fill, we can actually model it to that. So, Or in a, uh, a soil correction scenario where we have to go down to an X elevation. If we create that model, now our field guys know exactly what we need to go to. So anything below that, we'll have to have a conversation as far as, as getting paid for that. But on the same token, we're going to take a job that was supposed to last a week and we're going to bring it down to say three or four days because we're able to perform it faster. So now you're limiting those you know, two or three days of labor, um, two or three days of equipment time. Uh, your quantities are going to be a lot more accurate because your grade is consistent throughout the, uh, the entire project. So your, your half inch of accuracy plus or minus is going to be consistent. You can hold that up for the spec. Um, so now okay. you're, you're paying for less, engineered materials when you're bringing those in uh, throughout the project. Right. So I think that's where you see a lot of your ROI. And then I, I heard you bring up accuracy and it, it seems like that's another thing that I'm hearing a lot is that even companies are selling that, Hey, we use technology that, you know, gets us very accurate and that's a competitive advantage for us. Would you agree that that's a big kind of selling point for upgrading to 2d and 3d? Oh, absolutely. Uh, if you can, I mean, if you can get a, uh, like for for your instance in, in your business, you can get a whole right done the first time every single time. It, it impacts schedule because uh, now the concrete guy is not trying to um, fit something in that their wall won't fit because the hole is not large enough or yeah. uh, the grade is correct, you know, and even the, the amount of concrete that they use, you know, so that's, yep. those are all things that I think help with that customer service scenario. Yeah, and that's you bring up a big thing for a small to mid-sized business is customer service. You know, a lot of times with how competitive the market is, we have one shot to really impress our clients to do a good job and to know that we've invested in something that is going to assure accuracy um, is 
is fantastic. But then there's also the human error side that it protects you from. I mean, we're all human. We all make mistakes on the job site. Have you seen um, grade control really support, you know, the human error aspect of, of the industry? Yeah, I think I think it catches errors early on. Um, it kind of it, it levels the playing field a little bit as far as your um, your your top operators, for instance, down to maybe an operator that's not as experienced. So um, you can kind of put them on the same level playing field. Obviously, your more experienced operator is going to move that material faster, um, but the consistency yep. should be about the same as far as what your grade should be. So uh, I've always said that GPS makes a good operator great and a and a great operator. Um, awesome if you will you know what i mean so it's always oh, kind of I leveling that. up uh, that operator so that's such a great way to put it to where it's really supporting you know all experience levels of operators um i've never heard that before i'm gonna have to quote you on that one <laughs> so <laughs> what we, we've talked about the benefits and i mean you have me sold we're already you know shopping right now for kind of what we're going to invest into our fleet what advice do you have for other contractors when it comes to investing in new technology? Like if you had a few quick tips, what would those tips be when they're ready to start investing in tech? Uh, yeah, I think number one is dealer support. I think all brands make a great product. They all do the same thing and they all get to the same um, tolerances. But I think at the end of the day, your best friend is going to be your dealer. Um, so how that uh, initial conversation goes and throughout the sales process, I think you really got to focus on that. So um, have patience. Like it's a it's a new product. You're gonna have a learning curve to it. Uh, and then I would just empower a champion that's gonna manage it and that's gonna own it and that's gonna be passionate and excited about it. I think is gonna give you your best ROI. It's oh, it, after great. all it is. It's a, just one of those things that uh, you manage it. You don't want to let it go um, just kind of willy nilly in the and uh, uh, throughout the business. So. That's such a great idea to have a champion kind of internally that is excited about it, passionate about it, and will make sure that the team is using it. Because it's one thing to invest in it. It's another thing to implement and actually make sure everyone is on board. Um, and I know that's one thing we've been overwhelmed by is, okay, once we do this, then what? You know, because Trevor and I as owners don't have time to necessarily be as involved. That's such a great idea and a solution for us is, hey, find a champion within the company can really help implement and, and support everyone as, as it comes forward. So great, great idea. Yeah. So let's talk about this though. When the technology goes down, that can be frustrating, especially for people who are new <laughs> to it. Do you have any go-to tips for troubleshooting tech I, problems? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it is, it's like anything. It's like a mechanical error. So your, your, your backhoe is going to go down or your excavator is going to go down. Things happen and, and tech is no different, but I guess the first thing I would do is simplify it. Um, start with the easy things. Start with uh, your base station. Is your base station on? Are all the cables connected? Because nine out of ten times, it's usually something fairly simple. Um, don't always assume that the uh, the process has been followed. Um, you know, make sure that you start from square one as you're troubleshooting it, because a lot of times a step gets missed. So, um, okay, those are kind of my biggest things for that. I think nine out of ten times, like I said, it's it's, it's something simple. It's not something complex. Then really, it's like we still love computers, right? And and computers fail us at, at, at points, but we're not going to work without them because they just are a game changer for efficiency in our everyday life. And I think, you know, tech is the same in the equipment. So I, I like yeah. your suggestion. Keep I, it simple. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's kind of the age old uh, um, turn it off and turn it back on. That's usually the go to. 
Uh, have you turned it off and turned it back on? That's that's always my first. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of times that solves it, unfortunately. <laughs> I like it. So, so what do you think now, you know, we've talked about 2D, 3D. What do you think is going to be the biggest game changer in the next five years when it comes to tech? Yeah, this is always an exciting space for me. Um, you know, I think it's kind of twofold. So you've got your established users and kind of your newer users. And, and I think they can be explained in, in, in both cases, if you will. So I think... And the established users, there's going to be mapping productivity gains as far as machine mapping, drone mapping. We're really going to streamline that process and get it faster so we can get faster production quantities. Um, I think the ease of use features on all of your OEM brands, um, as far as the, the 2D assist and the scales and, and some of that stuff is really going to start to scale a little bit in terms of being more accurate in a rough scenario, if you will. So you would have some sort of reference and taking advantage of some different sensors on there. So uh, I think that's going to be a huge thing. And then kind of getting into remote control stations um, and automation and things like that. So I think remote control stations are really going to diversify our workforce, to be honest with you. So I think everybody at ConExpo had a uh, an operator station or a remote operator station that they were controlling a piece of equipment in a different state. So think of it in a sense, in, in Vite's case, we have offices regionally up in Duluth and Milwaukee and Minnesota. If our crew gets rained out in, in uh, Minneapolis metro area, all of a sudden now we can put them to work in the Milwaukee region with a remote operator station. So I think it wow. kind of opens up that use of, of, of employees and, and workforce. So. Absolutely. And when you say diversify workforce, are you talking about just, you know, hey, one guy in one city will be there? Or are you also talking about just the demographic of our workforce? Uh, just using your workforce regionally. Um, I think you can yeah. go into a demographic as far as high school and, and a younger generation that might be used to um, following sensors on a screen in a, from a gaming standpoint. Um, so I think we'll be able to maybe increase that uh, learning curve or um, um, help that learning curve, if you will. So Absolutely. Um, well, and I think it that... increases their excitement, you know, to join our industry. It, 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 it looks exciting. Like, what? I can really build the world around me with something that I'm used to doing, which is a control station. I think, I think it's, it's yeah. you know, really excite, excite the next gen of workforce. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be less intimidating too for um, newer operators. Yeah. Any other big game changers you see in tech after going to Connect? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Augmented reality, I think is really going to change the game in terms of pre-construction. So um, for instance, like a Trimble Sight Vision or a, uh, a HoloLens. Um, I think some of the other OEMs have some of the uh, augmented reality out there. So if you can start to catch those conflicts in a 3D manner in the real world, so you can see the digital plan overlaid onto real world and real life, I think that's going to be yep. huge to um, communicate with the owner and catch conflicts early so you don't have crews there sitting waiting saying, we can't get this trench in, we have to use a trench box and, and being able to have that trench box there because you already know it's there. Um, also, that, that conversation around your crew and being able to visualize it. So all the operators, they say good operators are able to visualize what they're going to, what the finished product looks like. So now if you can show them that in a 3d sense before they even get started, now it helps them kind of generate that thought process early on. Absolutely. And I'm sure it, it also enhances like the safety aspect. You're able to really walk through it. How can we do this efficiently, productively, profitably, but also safely? Um, Cause you can see it all yeah, right absolutely. there. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper to go through on a computer and, and a conversation. So That's so great. And now we talked about what impact, 
you see it, it having on workforce development, but what about the impact that technology has on customer service? I'm obviously very intrigued by that because I work on the customer service side of our business, answering the calls of this is great, this is not, fix this, do that, you know, um, and I'm very curious from an investment standpoint, like how does this help or impact customer service to have machine technology? Yeah, I mean, if you can get out there and you can bring out your backhoe and you've got a 3D model loaded into it and you can get your owner of that house or that, that new house or even the GC out there that's running your project to get up in the in the excavator and go, here's your house. And they can go, holy cow, that's exactly where yep. it's supposed to be. They can start to envision it. I think that really kind of opens up that uh, initial conversation. If you can bring in augmented reality and and have it modeled in your augmented reality and stand in their front yard and go, this is what your house is going to look like from the street. I think it's just going to be that kind of that wow factor. And it's just going to go, I want to work with these people because they have technology and I can better understand what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I can be assured that they're going to be um, accurate throughout the entire process. And it's going to uh, not affect my schedule throughout and I can get my house on time or my project on time. Wow. Can I just bring you to my sales meetings and can you just say that? <laughs> <laughs> that that was fantastic. I think that that's a huge part is, is that wow factor that it can bring not just within our company, but externally out on the job site for our potential customers. Um, I'm so glad you yeah. touched base on that. So thanks for any, anything else you want to say about technology? I know you get a lot of questions online. Um, Anything else you wanted to touch on today with as far as tech is concerned in construction? I just feel like we could go for hours, but well, how do we improve awareness? You know, the awareness of the tech that's available. Tell me about what you've noticed or seen when it comes to awareness. So we have uh, we have equipment that has integrated technologies on it, and it'll say grade control right on the side of it, and you'll have a conversation with the foreman, and they'll say, did you take advantage of the 2D grade control when you're digging this? And the response is, well, it doesn't have antennas. Well, the entire time it had 2D grade control built into it or integrated into it, and he didn't even know that he was able to use it. And he's like, I would have taken advantage of that. Um, the same as wow. scales, same with um, e-fencing, 2D automatics, 2D assist. Uh, I think, you know, Case just came out with it. Caterpillar has it on all their next-gen hex as a standard option on most of their models. So um, I think a lot of these people run it, and they don't even realize that the tech exists underneath them. Um, you know, so what we're doing is we're putting stickers on the machine saying the machine is equipped with, and it's starting a conversation for the operator to understand how to learn it or, or know how to use it. Um, but it's also for the foreman, are they using it? And then it's also for the owner to go, this thing's equipped with a scale? That's crazy. You know, so I think it kind of, <laughs> it, it starts that conversation all the way through, you know, and, and, and builds that trust all the way through, and they're able to take advantage of the tech um, on all of the equipment. So from dozers with the, the 2D assist or slope assist um, and excavators with the scales and, and everything else. So. Wow. So you're going beyond the what the manufacturer is communicating on the machine and actually putting stickers on there that communicate to the field teams what's on that machine. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're also oh, doing awesome. it at our, at our, yeah, and we're having a, a, at our safety day, we're having that same conversation a session on hey here's the technology that's available to you so let's use it uh, you've got a team of people here to support you let's 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 really maximize the use of this technology so and tell me about that a little bit further so let's say you've got the operator he sees the sticker he hears it at the safety meeting but he doesn't know how to use the technology what does it look like from a training perspective is it just kind of finding that champion or what else have you seen out there when it comes to training maybe those seasoned operators and aren't familiar with using it to get them to start using it. 
Yeah, I think you, you hit on a very important piece there of, of training, training your, your people. That champion is going to be the one that's going to organically grow it. Um, I would really lean on your dealer for for uh, training, especially in our region where we've got winters. Uh, our dealers are, are all having a lot of training sessions going on, and they're all very, very good. So local union halls have got a lot of good training programs. Um, YouTube has got some great tutorials. Uh, they're a huge resource. <laughs> And then I would reach out to people on social media. Uh, I think talking to your peers and understanding how to use things is, is such a great uh, resource in that scenario too. So That's great. So I, I think reaching out on social media is, is such a great idea. And, and let's give them your Instagram handle because I, I hope you don't mind me just volunteering you as a great resource. Um, but what is your no, Instagram handle so, that our, so they can reach out to you with questions? Yeah, my Instagram handle is technology underscore sandbox on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. And are there any other good resources that you would recommend out there on, on in the social world? Yeah, there's a lot of great resources. I think uh, Ryan at Rock Structures does a great job. He was on the show previously um, with just showcasing technology. Uh, the Dirt Ninja, Tom Gardaki, he does a great job on his YouTube channels of how-tos and, and things like that. Um, even following some of, uh, you know, Ryan Neal um, and uh, YieldMap or uh, Sam Meeker yep. and Caterpillar's um, uh, features, I think is a great resource. So there's just a plethora of them. That's about four of them um, that I can think of off the top of my head. But <laughs> uh, those awesome. are kind of my no, Those are great, but... great resources. And maybe, you know, with your permission, maybe you and I can kind of come up, make a list of all your top YouTube tutorials that you like and, and your great follows that people that you like to follow and post it out on the blog so that everyone can kind of have access to that information. Are you, are you down for that? I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, before we close out, I want to talk about ConExpo ConAg because just like myself and Trevor, 2020 was your first trip to ConExpo ConAg. Give us the scoop. I mean, I have a hard time asking the question, what did you think? Because obviously we were all like, wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was a bucket list item for me. I was a little ADD throughout the entire thing. So I, you know, I'd see some shiny object over here and over there, but it was absolutely awesome. I think the biggest part about it was just meeting everybody and talking to everybody uh, was yeah. kind of my highlight. So I, that was the, the thing that I took away the most. Was the relationships. You don't expect you're surrounded just by so much iron, so many experts, it's absolutely incredible, but then it really gets small with the people that you build relationship with, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody that I've met through Instagram and and just over my career to run into old friends, it's just a bunch of people with the same passion for construction and technology as me. So it's 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 kind of my, uh, I was a kid in a candy store. <laughs> so now when you were there, what products um, and technology were you on the lookout for at the show? I always like to stay up to date on uh, what's going on in machine control. So I, I, I visited all three booths of Trimble and Topcon and Leica. Um, they all have great products uh, and, and they're all coming up with new and great things. Um, some stuff for the, the, the business. I was really looking at uh, equipment tracking, small tools, attachments, um, things like that. Um, some load scanning. Um, and then even some, some integrated features that all the, the OEMs have out. So what is, is Kamatsu having the, um, the smart grade technology in terms of smart dosing or, or um, 
uh, proactive dosing, if you will. Uh, Case came out with a uh, integrated machine on their 200 size machines, and and Top Gun and and John Deere have the the great assist systems now. So those are kind of the things that I was kind of eyeing up, if you will. You were looking for, and what was your biggest takeaway from the show? Um, I know you were probably learning a lot and, you know, gaining a lot of information. There were a lot of education sessions on tech. What would you say your biggest takeaway from the show was? You know, I see that all of the OEMs are really, really trying to uh, put ease of operator features in there. So how does it uh, um, make it easier on the operator for their day-to-day operations from scales or uh, assist or um, object detection um, from hitting things, things like that. Um even just that drive to one platform on a software sense of how do I look at all of my, my data or digest all my data on one platform and integrating um, all platforms across like a software suite, for instance, I think are the biggest things. And then I think it's just a step in, in the direction for automation, um, all these ease of use features and the, the remote control stations and things that are like that are just stepping stones to automation um, in the industry. Awesome. Awesome. And was there anything else you found that you weren't looking for? I imagine you had some specific goals when you were there, but did anything catch your eye that you weren't expecting? Uh, spot the dog at the Trimble booth was fun. The Boston Dynamics uh, uh, <laughs> robot dog is pretty cool to see. It was pretty I agree. to watch, but, uh, you know, uh, the ground, uh, I saw some ground penetrating radars that would uh, mark utilities without even taking yes. the um, asphalt off. Uh, the John Deere integrated skid steer was pretty cool to see. Uh, I'm really intrigued by that. I'd be curious to get my hands on that. So those are just a few. So there's so many there. Oh, this, yeah, we were definitely caught off guard by um, Trimble's dog as well. <laughs> right. I didn't know it was a dog friendly show. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just end this. Um, this has been a great conversation. And again, I, I think it'd be really fun to create some follow up tools. Um, for the community, if you're cool with that, because you're, you're just a wealth of knowledge, and I'd love to start just packaging that and getting it out to everyone. So thank you for just diving in, giving us a light dive into tech and how you were impacted at ConExpo. But let's end it with a little fun rapid-fire round. Are, are you okay with that? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. What was your first job, like very, very first job? Uh, bagging groceries at a grocery store. What grocery store? Uh, Driscoll's in Glen Lake. Awesome. What was your very first car? A 91 Honda Accord. Nice. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Uh, I'd be grooming mountains or ski hills or uh, farming. I love it. What song gets you pumped up in the morning on your way to bite? Uh, Con Expo, Con Ag podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, no, all music genres. Uh, Calvin Harris gets me pumped up. Uh, that kind of genre. Yep. Uh, Eric Church, things like that. So, I like it. Now, who is one person you wish you could have dinner with? Uh, probably my grandpa, Joe. Uh, he died before I was able to ever meet him. So I've heard a lot of good stories. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but it sounds... Like it was a great person to be able to meet, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what was your favorite piece of equipment and why? A uh, little two-part question, I would have to say. I would say I go back to my <laughs> snow groomer. Love running snowcats. <laughs> just so much fun. Uh, <laughs> but dozers. Into the dirt world, I would say dozers. And I'd say they're the first one on the site, last to leave. And, and most of the time, they are the finished product. 
when you're done with the job and you're driving down the highway, you can say, I finished that slope and that's exactly what you finished. That's great. So definitely the dozer is, is your choice. Yeah, absolutely. Now, last but not least, what are you eating in that dozer? What is your favorite gas station food? My favorite gas station food is, is soft serve ice cream. Um, <laughs> I'm a sucker for any soft serve. If, if I could make a soft serve ice cream cone at a gas station, I, no matter what, I will get a soft serve ice cream uh, cone no matter what time of day. <laughs> Just, Wouldn't that be thing. amazing to have one of those machines at the shop? <laughs> I'd love it. It'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. Well, and I'm glad you were cho- you didn't have a specific brand because, as you know, Ryan at Rock Structures said the Wiley Wallaby liquor licorice, and I want to say they sent him like 500 pieces of licorice. I don't think we can send you gallons of ice cream. <laughs> no, no, no. A close second would be Dots pretzels. How about that? <laughs> okay, there we go. Dots pretzels. We know what to send you to say thank you for uh, sharing your time with us today. Well, I just thank you so much. This was awesome, Britton. I think you're just a great resource, resource online. You've always put out really good content. I hope we can start putting out more together this year. So thank you again for taking the time to join us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is fun. And that's going to wrap up this edition of ConExpo ConAg Radio. If you like the show and think other people should listen too, make sure to subscribe and maybe leave a review on iTunes. We'll be back next time with another great guest. Until that time, be sure to visit ConExpoConAg.com slash subscribe to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. More than 30,000 other construction industry pros are already receiving news and insights to move their business forward.